0: Well, good morning again. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, turn with me to Genesis chapter 26. After a long break, we are finally back um, in Genesis, and I'm looking forward to picking up where we left off. If you remember, we began our Genesis study with a series called In the Beginning, God. We looked at each day of creation. We looked at the fall. We looked at the flood, and then the dispersion that came following the Tower of Babel. Then we entered into our second series called Patriarchs and Promises. This began our study of our patriarchs of the faith. But really, up until this point, we've only looked at one patriarch, and that is Abraham. And if you recall, um, Abraham was given a massive promise by God. The Lord said, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. I will bless those who bless you. Those who curse you, I will curse. All the families of the earth shall be blessed by you. One writer points out what God was doing for Abraham, he was doing for no one else. No one else was given the promises that he was given. No one else was being told that they would be made into a great nation or that they would be given a great name. No one else was receiving God's blessings. And God was promising no one that they would be a blessing to others. The blessing given to Abraham is a blessing that is filtered down to each of us in this room through Jesus Christ. In Jesus, we have been given the gift of eternal life. And we have been given the instruction also to be a blessing to others. You know, we've already begun briefly looking at our second patriarch of the faith, Isaac. Even though Isaac is the longest living patriarch, he lived 180 years, there's really not a whole lot said about him. His name is used a lot in Scripture, but Genesis chapter 26 kind of gives us a snapshot of his life. What we will see with Isaac is that he lived a pretty ordinary life. He wasn't bold like his father Abraham. He wasn't a schemer like his son Jacob. He wasn't a gifted leader like his grandson Joseph. But what he was, was a recipient of God's promise and set apart as God's man to carry on God's promise to begin a people for his own possession. That is who he was. And the best way to describe this chapter and what we will study this morning is this. Our children tend to inherit our behaviors. As I studied for this message, I noticed several people ascribe um, a title to this chapter, Like Father, Like Son. You you know, when you think about um, your own children, our children tend to inherit our behaviors, don't they? They inherit the good things that we do, and sometimes they also inherit the bad things that we do. And that's what we'll see with um, Isaac this morning. One writer shared, A.E. Winship decided to trace out the descendants of two men who lived basically during the same time period. One of those men was Jonathan Edwards. The other was a man named Max Jukes. These two men were very different. Jonathan Edwards is well-known, of course. He is the leader of the First Great Awakening. He wrote one of the most powerful sermons ever entitled, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And he had nine children, and he raised those children to know God and follow God. As this man, Winship, um, traced his descendants, this is what he found. He found that among Jonathan Edwards' descendants was one U.S. Vice President, Three Senators, three governors, three mayors, thirteen college presidents, thirty judges sixty five professors, eighty public office holders, a hundred lawyers, a hundred missionaries that 's a pretty impressive um, um, lineage to leave behind isn't it? in contrast, Edwards was a man named Max Jukes, Max Jukes was a scoundrel, he was a criminal at one time forty two people in the New York prison system could trace their lineage back to that man. And as they traced his descendants, these are some of the things they found. They found seven murderers, 60 thieves, 130 convicts, and a family that was marked by poverty for generation after generation after generation. Max Duke's descendants cost the state of New York, an estimated $1.25 million. Today, that would be equivalent to about $35 million. The influence we have as parents and grandparents on our children and grandchildren is not something any of us should take lightly, is it? We should recognize that our actions and our instructions matter. Paul instructs us in Ephesians 6.4, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Also in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul wrote, do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Moses was instructed by the Lord to write in Deuteronomy chapter 6, a verse that all of us are very familiar with. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I commanded you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gate, gates. You know, I'm not saying that Abraham was a bad father because Abraham was not a bad father. He passed on the most important thing he could pass on to his son, and that is a relationship with the Lord. But what we will see this morning is that some of the very bad decisions that Abraham made, Isaac would make as well. So notice our first point this morning. It says, Isaac, a man of faith. Beginning in verse 1 of Genesis chapter 26, we read, Now there was a famine in the land. Besides the former famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Gerar, to Abimelech, king of the Philistines. And the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land of which I shall tell you. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you and will bless you. For to you and to your offspring I will give all these lands, and I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham your father. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, and will give to your offspring all these lands and in your offspring all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my law. You know, the most important thing, again, Abraham passed on to his son was his faith. From the time that he was young, you can be certain that Abraham shared with his son the importance of worship, the importance of faith, the importance of family, the importance of, of recognized the promise that he received that was being trickled down to him as well. Think about the teachings moments that, that Abraham and Isaac had. Um, do you remember back in Genesis chapter 22? That is a chapter where God instructed Abraham to go to Mount Moriah to offer up Isaac as a sacrifice. Isaac would have remembered that moment all the days of his life. He would have remembered when his dad placed him on that altar and, 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 and tied him down. He would have remembered when his father lifted up that knife and prepared to thrust it into his chest. He would have remembered also that ram that was caught in the thickets that God. Re- re- um, allowed to show up to be a replacement, a substitute for Isaac. He would have watched his dad take that ram and offer it up to the Lord as a sacrifice, as an act of worship. Hebrews eleven twenty tells us of Isaac's faith. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. In this passage, we are told that there was a famine in the land. Isaac is now a husband, a father, and a recipient of the wealth and abundance of his father. He has a responsibility to take care of his family, doesn't he? This famine was so severe that it required Isaac to, to pack up his family and, and prepare to leave the land. In fact, we're, we're given the idea here that, that Isaac sets his eyes toward the nation of Egypt. He is about to take to make the same mistake as his father. He's about to leave the land of promise when God never gave him permission to leave it to begin with. So notice Isaac's dilemma. Isaac lived in the land of promise. He lived in the land that God promised Abraham himself to his children and future generation. Why, if Isaac was living in the midst of God's promise, would God allow a famine to strike that land? Have you ever asked yourself that? Man, why did God allow this to happen? Because you and I still can live in a place of blessing and experience hardships, can't we? Jesus made it clear that God's, and God's word clearly attests to this. In John sixteen thirty three, we read, I've said these things to you, Jesus said, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. In this fallen world we live in, we will have troubles. We will have tribulations. We will have hardships. 2 Corinthians 12, we read, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecution, calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong." You know, I say this often, but if you and I live long enough, we're going to experience some storms in our life. Some of those storms are just going to have a few sprinkles in them. Some of those storms are going to be downpours. Some of those storms are going to be tornadic. Others of them are going to be cat five hurricanes, aren't they? All of us have experienced different storms in our lives. When troubles come, a lot of times we have a tendency to blame God for those problems. But understand that it's during those times that God is trying to refine us, isn't he? Notice God's instructions to Isaac. God would keep Isaac from making the very same mistakes his father did. He would appear to him and instruct him to go to Gerar. Then he would reiterate his promise that his father received and now that he has received. We read here, I will be with you and will bless you, the Lord tells Isaac. I will give all these lands. I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham, your father. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and will give to your offspring all these lands. And in your offspring, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. In verse 5, again, we read, Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statues, and my laws. Because of Abraham's faithfulness, There is a transference of God's blessing to Isaac as well as to future generations. You know, we are not guaranteed an easy life as believers. But because of our faith in the Lord, we can be certain that he will be with us every step of the way. During the good times, during the troubled times, as well as during some of the most horrific times. Notice our second point this morning, it is this. Isaac, a man with flaws... In verses 6 to 11, we read, So Isaac settled in Gerar. When the men of the place asked him about his wife, he said, She is my sister, for he feared to say my wife, thinking lest the men of the place should kill me because of Rebekah, because she was attractive in appearance. When he had been there a long time, Abimelech came of the Philistines, looked out of a window, and saw Isaac laughing with Rebekah, his wife. So Abimelech called Isaac and said, Behold, she is your wife. How then could you say she is my sister? Isaac said to him, Because I thought lest I die because of her, Abimelech said, What is this you have done to us? One of the people might easily have lain with your wife and you would have brought guilt upon us. So Abimelech warned all the people, saying, whoever touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. You know, when we read those verses, to me, it just leads me to scratch my head a little bit. How in the world could Isaac repeat the very same mistake that his father did? Last week, Danny and I, while we were in London, we went to the theatrical production of Back to the Future. One of the lines um, that is in that movie and now musical is, um, is hello, McFly. Have you all ever seen Back to the Future? You know, the thing that I love, um, one, that I've, I've said that line often, but, but what Biff does is he takes George in a headlock and often he'll knock, some, knock him in the head and say, hello, McFly, what is he doing there? He's trying to knock some sense into him, isn't he? Isaac needed some sense knocked into him. He should have learned from the sins of his father. But instead, he repeated the very same thing that his father did. His father twice said that his wife, Sarah, was his sister. And here we see Isaac doing it. Once. Keith Krill shared a quote from Mark Bauer's book, Repeating Our Parents' Mistakes. And he elaborated on this. He shared, Children of abusers have a strong tendency to become abusers themselves. Children of alcohol and drug addicts have a strong tendency to become addicts themselves. Children of greedy people or dishonest people tend to fall into the same traps as their parents did. That's just how it goes. It's sobering to realize that our sin doesn't just affect us, it affects others. If you are a parent, how you live serves better to teach your kids than almost anything else. Someone has said young people never do an adequate job of obeying their elders, but they never fail to emulate them. That's the real issue here, imitation. Why did Isaac put his wife in danger? Why did he potentially hand her over to a wicked king or some other man in the land to potentially take her as their wife? Why? Like father, like son. Here, Isaac feared for his own safety. And Abimelech will call Isaac out for this, which will lead Isaac to confess that he he did it because he was fearful. Folks, fear has led many of us in this room to sin. God told Isaac to plant in Gerar, to stay there. And you can be certain that if God said, plant in this land, that God was going to protect him and his wife. Isaac should have known that. Even though he had the promise, he still succumbs to fear. In Proverbs 29, 25, we read, The fear of man lays a snare or a trap, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Let me ask you a question this morning. What has fear led you to do? What mistakes have you made because of your fear? Notice next, Isaac, in spite of all of this, he was a man of blessing. In verses 12 through 22, we read, And Isaac sowed in the land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. The Lord blessed him. And the man became rich and gained more and more until he became very wealthy. He had possessions of flocks and herds and many servants, so that the Philistines envied him. Now the Philistines had stopped and filled with earth all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham his father. And Abimelech said to Isaac, Go away from us, for you are much mightier than we." So Isaac departed from there and encamped in the valley of Gerar and settled there. And Isaac dug again the wells of water that had been dug in the days of Abraham, his father, which the Philistines had stopped after the death of Abraham. And he gave them the names that his father had given them. But when Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found there a well of spring water, the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, The water is ours. So he called the name of the well Essex because they contended with him. Then they dug another well, and they quarreled over that also, so he called its name Sitna. And he moved from there and dug another well, and they did not quarrel over it, so he called its name Rehoboth, saying, For now the Lord has made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. You know, these verses give testimony of God keeping his promise to Isaac. Isaac remained in the land, and while in the land of Gerar, the Lord richly blessed him. In fact, his blessing was so great that the king comes to him and says, you're becoming too great in the land. You need to move away from us. Please know that God's blessings are not always material, are they? For Isaac, they were both material blessings as well as provisional. Moses documented the wells that Isaac dug and the quarreling that occurred because of those wells. Why is this even documented? Man, this is one of those passages of scriptures often that you read and you just quickly pass over wells. What do wells have to do with anything that's part of this story? You know what those wells represent? Those wells represent God's blessing. Remember, there's a famine in the land. What is one of the leading causes of a famine? Drought. Water was essential. It's life-giving, needed to sustain life, needed for crops, needed for for watering yourselves as well as your, your animals. In the midst of a drought, God would give Isaac favor and provide for him exactly what he needed to sustain life. None of us have been guaranteed material blessings like Isaac received, but all believers in this room have been promised a richness that is so much greater than money or kingdoms or fandom. We have been promised a blessing that is so much greater than anything this world can offer us. We have a promise of God's presence today and the promise of an eternal inheritance that we get to enjoy today, as well as throughout all of eternity. God is good, isn't he? He always provides for our needs in times of need. Our final point this morning is this. Isaac was a man of favor. In verses 23 through 33 we read, From there he went to Beersheba, and the Lord appeared to him, the same night, and said, I am the God of Abraham your father. Fear not, for I am with you and will bless you and multiply your offspring for my servant Abraham's sake. So he built an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants dug a well. When Abimelech went to him from Gerar with Ahuza, his advisor, and Philco, the commander of his army, Isaac said to them, Why have you come to me, seeing that you have "'Hate me and have sent me away from you.' "'They said, we see plainly that the Lord has been with you. "'So we said, let there be a sworn pact between us, "'between you and us, and let us make a covenant with you "'that you will do us no harm. "'Just as we have not touched you "'and have done nothing but good "'and have sent you away in peace, "'you are now the blessed of the Lord. "'So he made them a feast, and they ate and drank.' In the morning, they rose early and exchanged oaths. And Isaac sent them on their way, and they departed from him in peace. That same day, Isaac's servants came and told him about the well that they had dug and said to him, we have found water. He called it Sheba. Therefore, the name of the city is Beersheba to this day. You know, Isaac was not a perfect man, but he was a man of faith and a man of worship. Right there in the land of Beersheba, after having another encounter with the Lord, he builds an altar and he worships the Lord. You know, Bersheba was a special place in Scripture. Hagar had an encounter with the Lord there. Abraham planted a tree there and built an altar there. Abraham and Isaac, after their encounter, that they, after Mount Moriah, they would go to Bersheba and they would worship there. Bersheba is where worship happened. That is where the chosen of God assembled for worship. This place right here, this is where we gather to worship the Lord each Sunday. It is where we worship. It is where we study God's Word. It is where we fellowship and do life together. It's where we laugh together, where we cry together, where we celebrate together. But I hope this is not the only place that you worship. I hope you worship the Lord in your home, I hope you worship the Lord in your car. I hope you worship the Lord at your places of business, at our schools, on the ball fields, as you walk your dog and as you walk throughout your neighborhood. Any place can be a place of worship, can't it? But having a place like Beersheba to worship at is pretty significant as well. You know, I love this church. I love that I get to do life with you, not only on Sunday, but throughout the week. You know, when we're not gathering together as the body of believers, Man, there, there, there is a hole that it was generated in our hearts. You know, when I think back to the days of um, of COVID, when when we were up here leading worship to an empty room and 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 sending that out on um, to your homes and and such, that I didn't enjoy any part of that at all. Why? Because we have not been. Created to worship apart from each other. We've been created to worship together, to have a place like Beersheba where we could gather at week in and week out. Now, again, this shouldn't be our only place of worship. We should worship the Lord throughout the week as well. As we close this morning, let me challenge all of us to be faithful as we raise our children, as you raise your grandchildren. Our decisions affect not just us but our kids, our grandkids, our spouses, and those that we do life with. Let's be faithful where God has placed us. Faithfully serve in the place that the Lord has planted you. You know, you think about Abraham, you think about Isaac, you think about the land of Egypt. Why were they going to Egypt? Why did Abraham go there? Why was Isaac, why did he set his eyes toward there? Because Egypt was a place that was more fruitful, right? They weren't experiencing the same things um, that they were experiencing in the land of promise. There wasn't a drought. There wasn't a famine. Those weren't uh, an issue in, in Egypt. And so they were going to the place that seemed to be more fruitful. You know, there's a lot of more fruitful places probably than Collin County. But this is where the God, God has us right now. And we need to establish roots here and serve the Lord where he has us. We also need to be faithful people of worship. We need to worship where the Lord has us. And we also need to be faithful as we um, go about our lives to take the good news of salvation wherever we might go. Let us be individuals that transfer the gospel from one generation to the next generation so that it will carry on from generation to generation to generation long after we are gone. If you are here this morning and you don't have a relationship with the Lord, I want to invite you this morning to make the greatest decision that you could ever make, and that is to place your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, to repent of your sins, to confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and Scripture is clear that that if we believe in the resurrection, if we repent of our sins and we have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved. Hebrews, or not Hebrews, Romans 10, 13 said, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you're here this morning, you don't have a relationship with the Lord, I want to invite you to come. Let's stand together. I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer, and if there's a decision you need to make, you come, you come. Father God, we come before you this morning. Father, again, thanking you for the opportunity to gather in your house to worship you, Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the promises found within your word. Thank you for the examples that, that we're able to see in scripture. Father, I thank you that, that every um, saint in the Bible was not perfect. Because there's not a single person in this room that's perfect. Father, when we read stories about men like Abraham or Isaac or Jacob or, or Paul or Peter or any of our um, faith champions of scriptures, what we read is that they were not perfect. They made mistakes. They were people with flaws. All of us, too, have flaws. But we serve a God who has redeemed us, who has set us free from the curse of sin and the penalty of sin, and you have given us a new life in you. So, Father, when we allow our flesh to reign supreme instead of you, Father, thank you for forgiving us in advance. Father, I pray this morning that if there is someone here that does not have a relationship with you. I pray that today will be the day of their salvation. Today will be the day that they confess with their mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And believe in their heart that God raised you, Jesus, from the grave. Father, just move now during this time of invitation. First some in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If there's a decision you need to make, you come. You come.